When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. Riders on the storm Into this house we're born Into this world we're thrown Like a dog without a bone And actor out alone Riders on the storm No, no dogs, no pets permitted At this global citizen festival Already uh, outside of my apartment uh, off 87th and Central Park West, lined up like lemmings. Thousands of people drenched. They're not permitted to have umbrellas. They can't have lawn chairs. They just got to stand there and put a plastic bag over their head, a hefty trash bag, and just stand there. Stand for what? For what? They're supposed, this attracts Generation Z. Red Hot Chili Peppers? No, but BTS is probably two-thirds of that crowd. Oh, there's no doubt. You know, K-pop, all the Koreans, but Lauren Hill, the Fugees? I don't even know who Lauren Hill is. Megan the Stallion. Yeah, that's going to attract a big crowd of uh, generations. What, what, what is the purpose what, why, of this? Why, you're, just, you're, you're doing the cranky old man you know, no, shouting at no, clouds routine it, It's sort of like do something about poverty, climate change, I know, that, gender inequality. Okay, but that's not how you organize by giving them I a know, concert. But, I know, but we do live in this social influencer world. Like, you got to be someone famous saying to do something or else no one else does it. I think it's baloney. It's really just a music concert. But... I mean, how do you prohibit umbrellas? <laughs> didn't, didn't you tell me they prohibited? I mean, Mary Poppins. What they, Mary, if Mary Poppins showed up with her umbrella, would she be told, you can't come in here? I tell you, if I, if I was a, Ven- a Venezuelan migrant, I'd be selling uh, glad, glad, glad yeah, bags. Right. <laughs> Unbelievable. And no smoking of any kind. I want to see them enforce that's, that. That's going to be the only place in New York there's no smoking of any kind. No smoking of any kind. Now, remember, when de Blasio in his last year round, Went to that concert. He got booed out. That was the same concert that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle made their debut, the New York City debut. And remember, before that, he had the homecoming concert, you know, to welcome the return uh, from all the COVID restrictions, in which he told CNN, you must push it another hour because he wasn't able to get out on the stage. And it was pouring rain. And it was like there was 13 inches of rain that fell in an hour. 60,000 people had to flee for their lives so that Bill de Blasio could get booed on stage live on CNN. Yeah, you you pretty much you get booed in those things. But 
I mean, it has zero. Now, again, you you and I are a couple of old guys at this point, but it has zero appeal to me. But you got to have got to they you got to have some sympathy for them. The weather out there is terrible. No umbrellas. It, I'm sure that the Great Lawn is turning into something. It's going to look like Woodstock. Mush, it's mush. going to be mush. Yeah. I mean, it may, and then the rain date naturally is tomorrow, which will be just <laughs> as bad. Yeah. So they're they're forcing it. It's got to go on. It's, and you must have a printed ticket. Now I'm saying that sounds crazy. Wait a second! You keep telling have a smartphone, iPhone. This way, you just plus is it isn't friend being friendly to the environment part of their deal? Yeah, no, you must attend with a printed ticket. Now this to me is like all backwards. It defeats yeah. the whole concept yeah, of yeah, a I'm global aware. citizen festival. That's right, hands across the globe. But anyway, while all of that's going on, I've got my rats out there in the different locations where the tents are up. Because, boy, this is a test of the tents. Not an actual rat. No, no, no. But right. people who work at these locations, you know, they're minimum uh, wage workers, mostly security, people uh, uh, who have uh, been guardian angels over the years. And so uh, two of the tents have uh, sprung some leaks, nothing major. So in Creedmoor, where you have now 800 single, able-bodied young men uh, living in a tent, capacity 1,000, it sprung a few leaks. So they were running around all last night with the mops and buckets and trying to figure out how to stem the flow. Likewise, in Randall's Island, where they put the, the tent over the soccer fields. Yeah. So this will be a good test. Uh, your favorite, Floyd Bennett Field, the flood zone, is flooded and will yeah. be flooded by the end of this weekend because it cannot absorb. I, I, I still think, I don't care how eager they are to move forward, that is going to be tough to make not floody because even, I don't care what kind of surface you lay down. It it just you, you know you know you've been out there a yeah, bunch. Yeah, many times. The topography there, it's flat and low. It's basically the marshes are above the sea level at that point. Well, they started digging sewers, sewer lines. Uh, so I don't know how long that'll take. Again, as you mentioned, that's really low. That's near sea level. Yeah. Um, I, I know they could. As a matter of fact, not far from there. Forgive me for for interrupting. They actually have boat launches there since it's so low. Yeah. they allow the boats to be launched from there when people are taking out recreational craft. So they are moving forward. They are going to try to put up the tents and house uh, two thousand five hundred. That number could grow. The buses are nonstop now. Governor Abbott has doubled down. He didn't like the way um, all of a sudden uh, the mayor, Eric Adams, decided to demonize him for sending the buses. So he said, "Okay, tell you what, we have an increased uh, uh, inflow uh, from the Mexican border. So from now on, I'm just doubling up on all the buses. And you see, interesting, Texas pays for this because their tax revenues have soared with so many people moving to Texas, so many people moving to Florida Taxes there have increased, so they're paying uh, for that with the money of the some former New Yorkers who have decided to go down to Texas, New Jersey, Connecticut, right, and also, Pennsylvania. but also a lot of these migrants are choosing to get on these buses because now it's national news that they have a right to housing in New York. You know, this is the two-edged sword of making a big to-do. The way that Eric Adams has been doing this by screaming at the top of his lungs. He's doing it to get attention, but one of the now everyone, every migrant in the world now knows. <laughs> they probably even know what the Callahan decision was. They they know they have a right to housing. In, and then you saw Kathy Hochul, the governor on CNN, say, uh, uh, migrants, let me let you know there's no more room in the hotels like they're watching CNN. What is wrong with you? Lady? Well, there is this idea that we ha- we have to speak with one voice and telling people they should not come here. 
That's not wrong. By the way, what is your view on the temporary protective status thing? Is that that you consider that good news because it's going to say it's going to have a lot more people working and so they don't need to come to New York City? No, no. As long as we can get some uh, Major League Baseball players out of this (laughs) on Rendell's Island. Remember, Venezuelans are 40 percent of those who've come in. One thing we know, they love baseball and they have produced a lot of Major League Baseball stars. Ironically, only one is in the Hall of Fame. That's Louis no. Aparicio from the Chicago White Sox. Wasn't Sid Fernandez a um, yeah, Venezuelan? Yeah, uh, Johan Santana, remember yeah, Cy right. Young Award, and then he but blew none his of, arm none out. None of them were around long enough. They were, they're, 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 they're Cabrera, females. right? <clears throat> they're really great ball players. Boy, but if the thing about them having the right to work is now they're going to go to where the jobs are, not necessarily where the shelter bed is. Yeah, That's you, t- the good you thing. tell me where the jobs are. There's only so many Grubhub jobs. No, it's no. only so no, no. many delivery jobs. You're just thinking about jobs. New York. You're thinking about New York. Across the country, oh. there, are, there are job shortages. Oh, so they're going to leave their hotel room. No, no. The and point is, they're not. Out. No, they're going to try to go to where the jobs are. That's the way they oh. are. That's the way migration has been to the United States since time oh, immemorial. So they're going to leave the comfort of New York City where they get everything. And they're also. Wait a minute. They get everything. I know, but they are choosing to come here primarily for the housing advantage. If they can go based on where they can work, and now they can work anywhere in the 50 states. So they're going to go to Montana. They're going to go to North Dakota. They're going to go pick strawberries. Yeah, that's Uh, that's the way it's going to be. They're going to go to dairy farms in Wisconsin. um, They're going to go to Nebraska. I know you want to believe that. Well, but wait a minute. A, you there's don't a, there's believe... an old adage. Once you've been to Gay Paris, how do you get them to get back to the farm? You think that this is such a great quality of life that they have? For them in New York City, no. Times they Square? Wanna, they want to work, man. They want to work. That's why you yourself say they got scooters all over well, the place trying to work. Yeah, yeah, selling illegal weed. Whatever they're doing, now they can do it in all 50 states and it's come to New York anymore. So, the Anthony, only advantage- you're, you're guaranteeing me that now they're going to move out. Here's what I guarantee you. I guarantee now that they can work anywhere, yeah, they're yeah. going to follow the jobs. Some of them are going to be here. We lost a lot of population here. Mm-hmm. I heard you and Zeldin say over and over again how much population we lost. So we obviously— Oh, we replace it with these folks out of the taxpayers and the trillion dollars no, worth well, of equity that if left. They're, if they're working, they, they, they no longer have to be in the shelters, right? 58,000 of them are not no, in the shelters. No, no. Where are the— fi- wait, wait, There are hundred- people in shelters who work. You do realize I that. I understand, but 107,000 people have come to, this co- to, come to New York, and only 58,000 are in the shelters. So that means the other half are where? They're working somewhere. They're not in shelters. Uh, so the more that people have money trust in their— po- the, You trust the figures from uh, the Adams administration? They're in conflict with the federal government and the state government no. in terms of the numbers of people who we are We know here. how many people are in our system, right? Well— um, we do because they normally, have to intake. No one gets placed without being intake. Normally, but why is it that the federal government and Kathy Hochul is at odds with uh, Eric Adams' math in terms of the numbers who are here, the numbers who are in shelter, the numbers who are receiving well, they, assistance? No, they agree on the number that are in shelter. They don't agree on how many people are waiting and what the arc is going to be in the future. They disagreement on that. Look, but they, you either believe that these people... You either believe that people are coming here because they get the free housing, and if they do, is that more important to someone than getting a job? And I don't think it is. I think ultimately people are going – or else, by the way, if or else people could have come here for the last 30 years just for the free housing. They didn't do it. They went to where the jobs are. Yeah, but nobody ever stood in front of every camera of the world in a $5,000 customized suit 
and actually delineated all the things you get for free when you come to New York City well, back look, in August. I, I, think, I mean, that was Eric I Adams. Think, he I, gave them everything. I think showing showing walking tours of homeless <laughs> shelters with big screen TVs and PlayStations was not a great yeah, move. Yeah, no, no, not good at all. I think, I think, and by the way, now they say... Now they say they're, they're disappointed if they don't get it. Now they say now they say they're going to force some people out to kind of send them thirty message. days now. Right? They're going to say, "I'm wondering, are they going to get to keep the PlayStation?" Today? Right, but also, don't they realize that when they're at a location for a certain period of time, legal aid and these other entities are going to come in. They're going to file on these um, migrants' behalf that they have a right to stay in a location that they can't. Be shuttled uh, around from place to place. I think there's going to be conflict around that. You're right. And the Callahan decision speaks about some of these rules and they'll get litigated. But more important to me is I think the thing that has driven where migrants locate in the United States of America since the 1800s has been where they can work. Your great-great-grandparents went based on where it can get a job. Wolf Wiener went based on where it can get a job. Now when someone comes in the border and says, hey, you can get a free bed in, in, in New York City oh. and walk past, uh, and walk past so a bunch of senior citizens. You mean now, now that they realize the importance of having gold over dollars, from Menendez to also Fat Joe Messino at 250 gold bars, head of the Bonanno crime family in his safe in Howard Beach, the importance of gold to Americans – that they're going to go out to Montana and start panning in the, the, the <laughs> tributaries and the rivers there no, for gold. No, 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 this would be great. A gold rush. All these Venezuelans in Montana where there are more bisons, there are more buffalo than there I are have, people. I have heard you say on this show that Venezuelans are hustlers. They're, they, they are. They, they hustle. They, and they are, not, they are not looking for – they're not – they're coming here because they were told this one benefit exists when they have no right to work. So obviously they're going to go to a place that they're going to have a bed to sleep in. Now that they're told that they can work, you watch. They're going to spread around the so country. So let me ask you a question. So places like Staten Island, they don't have to be concerned because, A, number one, the migrants are finding out when they go out there, they don't have the PlayStation. They don't have the plasma TV. They don't have a private motel room. Uh, and there are hostile people who don't want them there. So you mean to tell me this is going to be great for Staten Island and other places where there are demonstrations well, because now the people are going to want to pull up, move out, and go to Youngstown, Ohio? It depends on what your philosophy is. It, I think it is going to encourage more people to try to make the trip from Venezuela. So it's going to be bad if you think that we're having too many migrants come here from well, Venezuela. Well, Maduro is going to be encouraging them. But if you are concerned about the dollars and cents impact in New York City – and whether or not they're going to be putting homeless shelters uh, uh, um, and, and, and encampments where they don't shouldn't be, it's very good. Oh, no, this, this is good. I think we should immediately put up advertisements that we need potato pickers in Idaho where there are more potatoes than people. I, I think you are secretly rooting for this thing to continue because you see that this is this is your ticket no, to, to Gracie no, Mansion. No, no, no. You understand. I like your concept that we can reroute them to unoccupied uh, pop, uh, population uh, little areas of the country, Montana, Wyoming, well, let me, Idaho. Let, let, me, let me ask you a simpler question. Put yourself in their shoes. Yes. You've traveled 5,000 miles. Maybe you have a kid. Maybe you don't. Let's assume you're a single guy. You come here and someone says to you, or, uh, let's say um, the, 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 the governor of Texas says to you, I'll put you on a bus to New York. You can get a free room there. You're going to walk past protesters and probably be sleeping in Floyd Bennett Field on concrete that's well, they flooding. Never, they never tell or, you. Or now you can go anywhere in the United States and there are some buses taking you to places that say have a shortage of agriculture workers or have a shorter assembly line well, workers that? or why, poultry plant why workers. Why would I want to go there? 
If I'm getting everything for free because here. Because people want to work. I you, get you, to ride my Vespas, my motorbikes. I get to drink cerveza, no, no curfew, smoke weed. You think you're the I'm only, a young guy. You think you're the only one with a work ethic? No, I think these people have a work ethic. I think they want to work. Yeah, but you them. already spoiled them. We always hear that from people who are on public assistance. Oh, they just want to get everything on the dole. I think someone who can 5,000 miles across four borders and cross through the Colombian jungle to get here has a lot of gumption and wants to work. I know my great-grandparents. Did. And they, they want didn't... they want to go west, young man, right? These are all mostly young, single, able-bodied men. By the way, nobody mentions this, Anthony. Of military age, a lot of these countries have mandatory military service for males. Nobody ever points out part of the reason they become, may be coming here is they don't want to join their militaries. You know, they don't want to be By in the way, their You know militaries. what else another people don't point out? That a lo- another group of people, that these DACA, a lot of these DACA kids... A lot of them are in our military. We have people yes. that are undocumented we in should our them military. An you we, fight for us. You die for no, us. We, we make you a citizen we first. We should say we value work in this country. We want you to No, rest. shed your blood. Be in the front line. You're the first to charge your head. Right? And you're a citizen. We already do that, which is a great program. We tell young men and young women, if you'd like to enter and you want an easy pass, there are two ways for an easy pass. You can join the United States military if you're qualifying. And then when you get out, after you do a certain amount of time, you can get on your way to becoming a citizen. You get your green card. Or because we have no Catholic priests, you can convert to the Catholic religion in India and Poland and Colombia. And then we'll give you a work visa. You'll be in a Catholic church, which you can't even find with a a GPS. You, You don't even speak the language. But, you know, the few Catholics who remain in the pews of a Catholic church on Sunday will think you're a priest. And, oh, the priest is like, oh, infallible. It's like the Pope. Right? I mean, I see I, that in India. I, I think I think that people who are given, that there's dignity in work, that people want to work, that my, that's the one thing that has driven migration and where people have gone in the country. There are whole cities that became cities because migrants went there to work, and that will happen again. California gold rush. We could do that in Montana. I'm hey, telling who you. who do you think? Never mind California. You walk into a Iowa a chicken or poultry plant. It's 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 Latinos in there. Of course. Illegal aliens. Undocumented, for sure, with fake papers. In fact, in Iowa, Nebraska, there was such a dearth of people to work in the slaughterhouses that they would actually queue up when guys were being released from jail. And they had nothing to do. They said, how would you like to work in the slaughterhouse? Well, uh, what is the record of this guy? Well, he's, you know, he's, he's had a bad record. We need people <laughs> in the slaughterhouses. You're right. I mean, I, I, I think so. But if you are, again, if you're on the other side of this, that really are concerned about what's like what's called moral hazard. Are you encouraging people to do something you want them to not do? You kind of are. And I got another question for you. They say if you were here before July 31st, you're protected because it's not safe. And you for you can't to go be back. deported. Right. So someone on August 1st, somehow it's safe for them to go back to Venezuela. It doesn't make any sense. You can't be deported. Now, they never explain what that is. So if I'm a serial killer. And I've just killed a few people, and I do my time here in the United States because they get charged with a crime here. Can they deport me after that? Can they? Can they? Please, Anthony, tell me that there's no ban on deportation. Here's the problem. Deport them to where? Their country of origin. We don't have an agreement with with Venezuela to take them. Oh, so they integrate back into our population. This is why very often when people are found you are not eligible for asylum, they can't do a deportation order because there's no country to send them back to. We're stuck with them. 
Well, you say them, they're us. Well, they're, hope, they're, hopefully they're human they, beings. Hopefully but the they point, can play baseball. No, but the, the point is that's part of the problem. We declare war essentially on Venezuela, economic war, and we won. Okay, congratulations. Now now you've got a problem. Now all these people, because you crushed their country, now have, have 400% inflation, have don't have a sustainable government, and they're leaving. They come here. Maduro's not saying I want them back. So what do you do? Well, it's so a complicated this is sort of like the Mariolito boat left Cuba. Uh, so Maduro Perfect does example. exactly what he did. Perfect example. How come your launchman in the Republican Party welcomed those, 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 those Cubanos? No, no, that was Menendez, the Democrat. Well, okay. <laughs> but, that was, but how come? And they're all voting Republican. And Carter. They're and all, Carter. They're all voting Republican in South Florida. I didn't say how, I didn't say that. how come you weren't registering but these Menendez people? Was, Never mind protesting. Menendez was the first one. He can see no harm in any Cubanos, including Tony Montana, Scarface. Anyway, up next... We got to talk about gold bullion boy Menendez, who gets caught with gold bars in his house on the day that Fat Joe Massino, the former head of the Banano crime family, drops dead from Howard Beach after they found 250 gold bars in his safe. Gee, I guess gold is a better investment <laughs> than dollars. Right here on your place to be, WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. So every morning for the past, I would say, two years... A man who's synonymous with Hudson County, the titular capo there, has been uh, U.S. Senator Bobby Menendez. His son has become the congressman who has filled uh, his former congressional seat. So he was synonymous with Hudson County, Jersey City. He does not live in Jersey City. He married an Armenian-American woman. They live in Cliffside Park. He met her at IHOP, I read. Yeah. And uh, he jogs every morning in Cliffside Park. The mayor there, Mario Kranjak, Republican, is also the guardian angel's attorney. He tells me he runs in the streets of Cliffside oh, yeah. Park. It's right near, you know, the George Washington Bridge, right next to Fort Lee and Palisades so he, Park. That's still Union County, though. Must be. Uh, no, no, that's no. Bergen County. And he lives in his wife's home, which is not, uh, let's just say, ostentatious. Right. It's a very plain home. Which is what a lot of old-style gangsters used to do, like Carlo Gambino on Ocean Avenue in Brooklyn. He was an illegal alien, too. (laughs) Very plain two-family house. Same thing here. But we had no idea, Anthony Weiner, what was in this house. Apparently apparently the living room is built on gold bars. (laughs) Gold bars, gold bullion, and lots of cash stuffed in monogram jackets that Bobby Menendez uh, has been known to wear over the years. It's the second time now he's been indicted, not in Jersey. So it's the U.S. Attorney's Office in uh, Southern, Southern District. District yeah. So that covers Staten Island, Manhattan, Westchester. And these are some really serious charges. 
He immediately naturally says, I'm being victimized a second time. You know, I stood up to Obama and his pact with the Iranians. And uh, now, you know, Biden is coming after me. Uh, That's the talking points of Republicans who say, yeah, you see, uh, they'll crucify their own if they turn on Biden or they turn on Obama. Can't they just accept the fact that he's a crook? That's right. That's the thing. Sometimes... Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. I mean, yeah, I read the indictment. It does look pretty bad. Bad is not the word. But I think I know what he's going to argue. I think he's going to say that his wife was basically in business as a lobbyist and she was doing the business of being a lobbyist. It doesn't explain why he was getting information that wasn't public for the Egyptian government, which doesn't look good. It doesn't explain why it... He was sending text messages, you know, okay, this is good news for our friends, the Egyptians. I mean, honestly. By the way, also making sure that a guy who never had prepared halal meat before had the sole contract in Egypt, whereas Egypt had four separate contracts with American providers for halal. All of a sudden it became one, which is so classic. Bobby Menendez, he did this for his Dr. Melgen, uh, his enabler, you know, his Medici the first time who – uh, was found guilty of the biggest ripoffs in the history of Medicaid. He was an yeah. ophthalmologist. He, if you had macro degeneration, cataracts, he would give you shots in your eyes, which were placebo shots. But he would charge you, charge at least us, the taxpayers, the Medicaid rate. He was rolling in dough, and so people were like, "Oh no." This is all because he stood up to Obama, and now he's standing up to Biden as well, man. He's in charge. Of the foreign policy, the United States Foreign Policy Committee. That's big stuff. That means he's dealing with all these dictators, despots, uh, and tyrants. It is and it isn't. Like, you're not really passing laws. Yeah, it's an okay job. Yeah, no doubt about it. You're fairly influential on stuff. And it's a narrow majority, which is why Chuck Schumer is not demanding that he resign because they, they, you know, he might be around a while fighting this case. He so want... it's almost a George Santos kind of situation. A little bit. A li- but who knows also? Look, the guy's entitled to a presumption of innocence. But I said to everyone, read the indictment when it came to Trump. I'm saying to them, read this one, too. It's fairly plain English. Oh, my God. It's like hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash. It's like Text- on, an organized crime family. Yeah, I mean, it. it I don't. You know, the things that are alleged that his wife and he were doing were basically classic influence peddling. Now, now, let me ask you this. The first time when he was indicted, there were two things that he did. His first appearance after the indictment was at a black church in Trenton. Always go to black churches because right. right. somehow, some way, they will find empathy and sympathy By for By the you. way, and I, I found it. When I came back in 2013 exactly. also. You go to what? What did Cuomo do, right? First yeah, round yeah. of churches, he went to black churches in Brownsville and East Flatbush. So my prediction is he will go to a black church, he will throw himself on the crucifix, and he will say they are victimizing me again because I'm a Hispanic. Second thing is, I don't think people realize this, all during that first trial, Dominic Carter was multitasking. He was the field reporter for, I think it was called RTV at the R-N-N. time. The region, it's right. RNN. Yeah. Right, the regional TV network, which right. uh, Menendez needed potentially to affect the jury base, heavily watched in Jersey. He would stop press conferences and he would say, and we aired it, where's Dominic? <laughs> Dominic Carter. No, we don't stop. We don't start until Dominic Carter gets here. Right. I want to see if Dominic Carter. Next time he's on is Sunday, right after the animal welfare hour, 10 to 11, with me and Nancy. And then he does two hours. I want to see if all of a sudden he starts making apologies for his very dear friend, that crook, yeah. Bobby Menendez.
But well, like I mean, I first of all, I'm not sure I agree with you. I don't think that church going African Americans are going to buy this argument. They're coming after me because I'm Latino. It seems like they, they, they you look. Met. It worked the first time. It worked for you. It worked for Cuomo. You're, Maybe uh, if you're a Democrat. Maybe you- no. It is. It is. There. There is this sense of forgiveness in that community. Also, they know that they they get targeted by law enforcement all the time, so they might buy that argument. I I don't know. Look, if you're Menendez. You don't step down now anyway because you're going to need it as a bargaining chip when you're trying to negotiate a deal later on. It's like, I'll, I'll step down. But uh, but it looks bad. It also— Well, you know what they're going to do. Same thing they did with Mario Biaggi at the time when Giuliani prosecuted him for WedTech, the WedTech scandal right, right. in the Hunts Point section. He said, look, you could either do the time or your son, uh, Mario Biaggi Jr., and the father said, hey, look, it's the end of the line for me. I'll do the time. Leave, leave my son go. He, they're going to go after, they're going to say to him, your wife, well, leave your wife alone because she's just as guilty, just as culpable if uh, you just resign. Well, this actually does kind of look like she was the straw that was stirring the drink. Oh, hell yeah. She was the one calling up saying, where's my Mercedes? That kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> she was the diva. Uh, she was She was the diva. Of, she's the Mariah Carey of politics. Yeah. Diva of all divas. And notice him. He had a big sly grin. Every time he was in her company, you know, walking down with this woman who's taller than him, blonde, right? Uh, sort of a little bit on the older side, but uh, not necessarily a relic yet. And this woman would show me the money. Show me the money. So the first sentence of the indictment under the section overview says from at least 2018 up to including 2022. What else happened in 2018? The other case said like a hung jury end of 2017. Within months, he was already starting on this deal. He was at it. You know, they met this woman in an IHOP. By, by the way, up next, we must discuss one thing I will say about Bobby Menendez, even though I've hated him for years, first in Congress and then in the Senate. He was the best dressed man in the Senate. I mean, we're talking $5,000 customized suits. Everybody acknowledged Bobby Menendez wore the best suits. Now we go from Bobby Menendez to Fetterman, actually sitting, overseeing. I think uh, every Friday he gets to sit in the chair. Uh, you'll have to describe this. Yeah where all the other senators are sitting below him, and he's sitting there with a pair of shorts on, sneakers, and a hoodie. Uh, his uh, M&M Slim Shady <laughs> hoodie. Man, I'm liking this. I'm liking this. This is your style. I thought you would. Oh, I, I love I this. I thought you would. I love this. We got to discuss this up next. Remember, I got thrown out of high school, Brooklyn Prep, for challenging the dress code. That's why I'm a high school dropout. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no no! This synergy here. This no. Synergy. This is a perfect. This is a perfect issue because I can totally see you giving a briefing at City Hall, wearing exactly what you're wearing now: a, 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 a red blazer and a red beret. Hey, look! Didn't you see Eric Adams recently in Fashion Week? He had on a red blazer that reminded I me of the that. old managers of AMP, the Great Atlantic and Pacific Company. <laughs> he looked a little like a, a, a croupier in, in Atlantic hey, I, City. I could do it. I could do it. Let's let's do it. Uh, let's make and you you left out the guy who was always looking like G.I. Joe there, Zelensky. That was the best one. That's the example I wish I had in the last. See, hour so we have Zelensky, we have uh, Fetterman, and we have Curtis, and Lewa. of course you have Castro. I tried Fidel, who actually John will tell the story when I went over to Cuba with John Margot and a whole entourage of Greek Orthodox uh, 
Americans because they were christening a basilica there because Castro wanted to show he was open to religion. Not a Greek Orthodox on the whole island. (laughs) And when I was in the room, Castro came in with his guys, and he actually said to his guys, John tells his story all the time. Is he one of our guys? <laughs> I said, no, he's a loco americano. Loco <laughs> americano. Todo en rojo. <laughs> exactly. Right here on your place to be. It's raining outside, but it's not stopping uh, the, uh, the lemmings outside of Central Park who can't wait to go to the Global Citizens Festival, even if I get pneumonia. The left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. Your mentor, man in charge of creating rules or rewriting rules in the Senate, the majority leader, Chuck Schumer, decided to pass a Fetterman rule, which is you don't have to wear the jackets and ties anymore. Fetterman comes in, shorts, sneakers, love that hoodie, love that M&M, slim shady hoodie, by the way, which is a baby boomer thing now. Because you notice Eminem, all these guys are over 50. So it's not right. really a young thing I'm, anymore. I'm wearing a hoodie today You're myself. You're wearing a hoodie, wrong team, although both teams are but wrong. But I can here's discuss the, that later. Here's, here's the thing about it, though. A couple of things. One, Chuck Schumer hasn't said a word about this. I'm eager he hasn't defended. And, and his second in charge, Dick Durbin. He's upset. Out, he's, he's highly he's upset. Come, come out against it. Secondly, and this is going out on a limb, I know. It's not like Fetterman looks good in that outfit. He looks weird. He looks like kind of like a Frankenstein kind of figure. Well, he looks like, to, to be honest, a little bit like um, when he was preparing to get in the ring with uh, Larry Holmes, world champion from Eastern Pennsylvania, uh, Jerry Cooney. Jerry Cooney. Jerry yeah. Cooney from Long Island, yeah, you know, yeah. with the hoodie on like he was preparing up in the Catskills, you know, jogging. Big guy that he is. Looks a little bit like Jerry Cooney. I like that look. But let me ask you, you're someone who has a signature clothing thing. Yep. And kind of so does so does um Fetterman. What's you you must have an interesting take on this. Do you care what he wears? No. And to be honest with you, I would be a sanctimonious hypocrite if all of a sudden I said enforce the rules because I was kicked out of high school, Brooklyn Prep, because <laughs> they had the standard you had to wear jackets and ties as student government president. I took a plebiscite uh, which I believe in, let the people decide. Uh, it was an all-boys school at the time. It's now closed. We voted not to wear jackets and ties. The Jesuits rightfully held me responsible, the headmaster, Father Alexander, and the prefect of discipline, and they kicked me to the curb, and I never looked back. Because as Father Alexander rightfully said to me, idiot, 
your parents, all the parents work hard. Part of the reason they pay such tremendous tuition is you wear the jackets and ties. So we're going to undo that. By the way, it was the final year of the school before they closed it. Anyway, I said, Sliwa, why are you doing this? You got an opportunity to go to Brown University in Providence, have scholarship because I had developed recycling centers and all that, and they were totally into that. So why are you going to blow all that? And so we took a plebiscite. I believe the will of the students should well, persevere. Well, was there something? Oh God, you're such a yeah. You you're as much of a jerk then as you are now. But what, let me ask you though: Why did you? Was there something you wanted to wear? No. Or was this just to be a troublemaker? I didn't have a problem wearing a jacket and tie, <laughs> but we took a vote. Just to it's be a, a troublemaker? You've got to be true. And look, I learned there are consequences for actions, which have helped me all throughout my life. So, but in, in this case, in this case, this guy's, I mean, it's funny. I don't really, your listeners, you know, our listeners might be surprised to learn. There's no rule in the Senate right now. And so you can be, if you like, people stand outside of camera range when they came back in their golf shorts and come back from the airport wearing jeans sure. and a t shirt. And so I don't really know what this is about. Now, you might be right that it might be so that he can be their presiding officer wearing that getup. Every Friday, he's sitting in that main <laughs> seat that oversees the so, well. So the here's Senate. what the thing is. So. Though it might seem like a very prestigious thing, and occasionally it is when there's a like a a very important bill on the floor. Like for example, I you know I was very active on healthcare reform. Nancy Pelosi said, "I want you to be in the chair when we're doing healthcare." Because anyway, but for the most part, what a mistake that was. For the most part, <laughs> being being in the chair, particularly like on Fridays when it's just guys giving speeches, is not a great job. No, but it, it, so, it, it attracts my attention to see him it, there, and so they give it. On a rotating basis to the freshmen, obviously the freshmen of the majority party. Yeah. So it might have something to do with that. I find it so. Look, f- I find it fascinating the things that get people all our, worked up. Our callers have been so wrong about this Fetterman thing since day one, and I'll explain it. They don't understand. People hated Doctor Oz. He was omnipotent, pretentious, obstinate. You know, like he knew better than anyone else. He was not from Pennsylvania. You could tell that. It's almost like he had a disdain on his face that he was, you know, in Pennsylvania. Basically, he was a a, a stump jumper from New Jersey to Pennsylvania. He was always natally dressed, well-spoken, very educated, you know, from his days with Oprah when when he assimilated. But they didn't want that. And even though the guy had every impediment in the world, he wore the hoodie, everything that you would have said voters will disqualify. Oh, well, that's because they didn't know. No, they didn't like Dr. Oz. Well, but there's something else. There was a hearing this week. I think it was for access of people with disabilities to education. I don't remember what it was. And, you know, I remember when they had that debate and – it was tough to watch because Fetterman was really struggling. And Oz was polished, perfect suit, perfectly attired. Too perfect. And Fetterman's collar was too big. His tie was yeah. askew. He was having trouble. He was halting in his speech. And everyone said, oh, this, this, is, this is a killer for, for Everybody Fetterman. Everybody said, I didn't. Right. I said, this you guy's going to win. No, this you guy's going to win. You and I talked about it. And we said, you know what? It's humanizing him. Everyone has someone in their in their life that's had a stroke. Everyone has someone with a disability who doesn't, who's a little bit off, whatever it is, who's not completely perfect. And then he goes to Congress and he becomes kind of a spokesman for people that struggle. And I got to tell you, I think it makes him likable. I you know, 
I don't think that I don't think the outfit helps. I think I don't know. If well, it, let me give an example. The darling of the world, although he's losing a little bit of his luster with some of his allies, is Zelensky. Right. Never wears a suit and tie. He always wears the olive green garb, the camouflage, and he's surrounded by an entourage. They're always bigger than him. Same garb. You can see he's got the warrior garb on. It doesn't matter if he's talking to the Academy Awards uh, before both houses of Congress, before the Parliament in Canada. Same olive green camouflage garb. Nobody has said, well, I wish he would sort of polish himself up. A genera- there's a total generational well, but change also, But that has a very specific message component to it, that my, I'm at war, I'm a wartime general, I don't care where I go, I'm not going to get fancy because what really matters is what's going on back at home. It sends a message. You, you, you know, I mentioned Jim Jordan, I did this too. I would, you know, I was sitting in committee hearing, I would take off my jacket and roll up my sleeves, you know, to metaphorically and literally roll up my sleeve. Well, it's like a, a blue collar thing. Right. And it's also, it's like it, it sends a little mime. I don't want to, I would never wear the little uh, c- congressional pin ever. Sometimes that meant I got stopped on Capitol because that's how they know who can go where. Because I'm like, no, I don't want to have signed that I'm fancy. If, if I had a congressional license plate for my car, I only used it when I was in D.C. Anything. So sometimes these things have a message component. I don't know if, what if Fetterman's really messaging anything. Well, I'll tell you what it is, because if you spend time in Pennsylvania, blue-collar working class, many of the people, they despise the suits. Yeah. They say suit, like I do, the suits. The suits, yeah. There is, in their mind, the suits are the ones who oppress us. The suits right. are the ones who give our jobs away. The suits are the ones who make fun of us, which they do, Right. who put us down. Trump benefited from that in 2016, although he's meticulously right, right. tied in the suit. Right. But he would look at them in their construction hats. Remember, they would show up at Trump rallies in their blue-collar car. You, you know, they despise you, you know. It does. I'm telling you. Yeah, that, yeah. That's my mentality, too. That's the way I was brought up. Oh, the suits. The suits. And, and the phone, but the, the thing that I find phony about it is it's not like these people who are calling and complaining voted for Fetterman and wanted— it's it, people who like don't like Fetterman, who are Republicans, who don't like what he stands for. My thing is, let him wear whatever he wants if he gets the votes right. If he if he's if he's doing fine, and I mean, I did. We did have a dress code in the House of Representatives. I did like the idea that everyone kind of took it very seriously on the floor. But I don't care enough about Fed. Fetterman wants to show up in a pair of sh- shorts and a hoodie. I'm not going to, and it's going to be one of those issues that's going to be completely forgotten about in a week. Yeah, but I'm telling you, the change of generations. They don't look at it the same way as baby boomers. You know, baby, it's sacrosanct, baby boomers. It's not the viewpoint of the blue-collar working-class men and women out there who don't wear suits unless uh, it's their death and they're in the casket and the people come by and they say, oh, my God, he looks so much better in death than he ever did in life. Who's the mortician? I, I definitely want to hire this guy when I die. Well, you want to hear, you, you, you want to do an exercise? You take a look at old pictures from the 50s and even the 60s. All of the men at the balls at the, at the at Madison Square Garden at the stadium were all in jackets, totally. ties, and hats. Well, Yankee Stadium, right? Uh, well, that's right. But it, it was, I mean, and and it was. It's really wild to see. You know, now everyone's dressed in a jersey exactly. or whatever. But it is. you see, Yankee Stadium, the perception was white collar. The National League, more blue collar, especially here, the Brooklyn Dodgers, San Francisco, excuse me, uh, New York Giants before they fled, and the New York Mets. 
two totally different looks. No, we have gotten and and this probably dates to the sixties. We've become more casual. But I love the, the, the stylized way that people dress to go to work in the sixties. I thought that was great. But again, there is this undercurrent of, oh, they're changing, they're degrading the United States of America even more. I mean, do you see how degraded the House of Representatives is? These guys are at each other's throat, and it has nothing to Don't do with the Don't you just Trump. love it? They're like two scorpions in a branding glass. Who is that? Bobbert? Uh, who is like a, Bobert. a, a Bobert, a vixen? Oh, man, she is hot to trot there. Uh, against uh, who is that? Uh, the woman who thinks that their lasers being guided by Jews uh, uh, to burn the forest of California. Taylor, Mar- Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor, Taylor Park Green. Green. You got to listen. She was interviewed by Judge Janine, uh, who is on tomorrow. Yeah. I think from one to two, Judge Janine. She interviews her, and she goes, well, "What do you think, uh, Bobbert, Bobert, whatever?" Yeah, and she goes she off. Tears <laughs> off on. It's like it's Jersey Housewives. It's okay. like. It's like the Housewives show, you but know, the, but, on, on the Bravo Network. But don't worry. They have a dress code there, so no one's going to wear shorts. At least they have that in the House of Oh, I, I, love the, I love that. Zelensky. And then, you know, if I'm lucky enough to get elected mayor, let's see. If I go on the show, we got to wear the full garb. If I'm dealing with homeless people and emotionally disturbed people, got to wear the full garb. That's how they recognize me. If I'm in the blue room... Eh, okay, I'll suit it up, but I'll have to wear the red beret. I'm sorry. That, that'll be the compromise. And remember... When Castro saw me in the room in Havana, he turned to his guys and he said, is he one of our guys? And they said, no, he's a local Americano. Local Americano. Left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. So Jimmy Carter and uh, his uh, wife Rosalind. Boy, for a guy in hospice, he's still uh, kicking. Man, oh, man. He's at the uh, Peanut Ice Cream Festival. He wants to watch the Atlantic Braves uh, beat your Mets. And by the way, usually the- when they put out that release, that press release, you know, that he's resting comfortably like it's they're setting you up, like start to clear yeah. your calendar for a few yeah, yeah, he's, he's been cruising he's, along. He's hanging in there, yeah. But he wants to see the Atlanta Braves win a World Series. Remember. He is truly a hardcore fan. Yes. You know, the other hardcore Atlanta Braves fan is, he lives, uh, I forget the section of Atlanta, it's Elton John. Oh, really? Elton John, big Atlanta Braves fan. And then, obviously, we always remember the image of uh, Ted Turner when he owned the team and Jane Fonda, his wife, and the Chop Chop. They they have not discontinued the Chop Chop, even though it's not politically correct. They do the Chop Chop. So his goal is he's told his folks. He wants to live to watch the Atlanta Braves win a World Series, and it's potentially plausible it, it this could year. could happen. Could happen. This is potentially plausible. I mean, you have to hold on basically another month. I think, I mean, he's got a pretty good chance But to do he that. was the one who encouraged the Mariolitos. He was on the shores of Florida, and uh, it reminded me, although not at that direct time, years later, on a speedboat, leaving Cuba, was uh, 
El Duque. We still don't know how old El Duque was. Remember his brother, Levon Hernandez, was a great pitcher, too. They escaped Cuba. Uh, Levon was great for San Francisco, the Giants. And obviously, we know El Duque, what he did. Nobody ever knew how old he was. But there are a lot of great Cuban ball players. There are a lot of great players from throughout the West Indies, Caribbean, and South America. But Venezuela has 106 ball players in the major leagues. That's 7% of the rosters. And they're generally good, if not excellent. I'm telling you, you look at your Mets. You look at the Yankees. There's got to be a pitcher in the bunch. Who yeah. has only two players, really, the Yankees of worth. Uh, it's like... We can hold tryouts By the right way, on do Randall's you, Island. Do you know that we have something called the wet foot, dry foot distinction that if you're a Cuban yes. and, and and you're off the coast, they'll take you in, bring Bob, you in. That's Bobby Menendez's and, rule. And if you're a Haitian who basically came from the same neighborhood, you Go have back. to you have to make it onto the sand in order to, to, exactly. to, get, to get the benefit. But this is I mean, look, this is an entrepreneurial opportunity. Sid's into sports, you're into sports, you two guys are Met fans. I've given up on the Yankees. But in order to put an olive branch out there, because, you know, they're calling me a xenophobe, a bigot, a racist. I, I love baseball. I love people who love baseball. Americans don't love baseball anymore. Venezuelans do. Cubans do. Uh, Dominicans. You say give them a chance to work as baseball players. It, it, work through the minor leagues. Uh, Staten, the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. Or w- why don't you just work through the minor leagues, play baseball, or do anything else? Yeah, but they have to have a tryout camp first. Okay. Randall's Island is perfect. All those diamonds that you used to be filled. You want to decide where they're going to live, what jobs they're going to have. No, let's have a tryout. You're just Mr. Big Government. I say let them let them work. Give them a hearing to see if they should stay here, and then let them work wherever mm-hmm. they can find a job. Look. If they could hit a ball 300 feet and they could chase down fly balls in the outfield, I guarantee you all of a sudden they'll have the the easy pass to citizenship. (laughs) The Mets, Steve Cohen, he will do anything to get him. Steinbrenner. Come on, we got we can make lemonade the same out of a lemonade. People that are here. booing them at out in Staten Island will be oh, well, cheering for them that. at the stadium. You remember Cespedes? You remember Cespedes. your star? Cespedes. Whatever Cespool. Yeah. I mean, he was from Cuba. He was great. Look, I will have to acknowledge whether they're friends or foes. They've kept Major League Baseball alive. Nicaragua too. 